Amen. Thank you, worship team. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. Everyone else, go ahead and take your Bibles and open with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This morning, we're going to pick up in verse 1, make our way through verse 4, as we continue to talk about walking worthy of salvation as a family. And so this morning, we're going to see how to walk worthy of our salvation as children and parents. So as we make our way into Ephesians chapter 5, Paul in verse 22 begins what we talk about as the household code in the book of Ephesians. Remember that Paul is still teaching us how we can walk out or live out our salvation in our day-to-day life. And so in chapter 5, he begins to admonish wives, then husbands. And when you make it into chapter 6, notice the conversation continues as Paul then addresses children and parents. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at this text and we're going to see two ways in which we as a family can fulfill the plan of God in our lives. And so... Again, if you're here and you have children at home, then obviously the text will apply to you clearly. If you're a child, then obviously the text will apply to you clearly. But if you are here and your children have moved out, you're in the grandpa stage or the grandma stage, then remember, this is the kind of information that you want to know so that you can teach your children and your grandchildren the truth of God's word. Because even as a grandparent, you can have godly influence into the home of your children and your grandchildren. And it works a whole lot better, by the way, grandparents, when you instruct and try to counsel your your children from God's Word instead of just how you like to do things in your own life. Amen? As, as a child, it works so much better when my parents come to me not saying, well, this is what we used to do, or this is how we did it back in the day. I get all that. But when my parents come to me and say, well, you know, God's Word says this, then all of a sudden, I, I've, they've got my attention at that point. Amen? And so that's what I want to arm you with. I want to arm you with the knowledge of what God's Word teaches so that as children and parents, we can bring glory to the Lord and we can walk worthy of our salvation. So let's jump in. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for bringing us into your house today and we thank you for the opportunity that is before us where we can study your word and we can understand what your desire, what your plan is for the family. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and insight as both children and parents that we might understand how we can live out our salvation in a way that brings you glory first and foremost. So Lord, we thank you for all that you're going to reveal to us through the text this morning. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, in the text, we're going to see two ways in which a family can fulfill the plan of God in their life. Number one, children obey your parents in the Lord. Let me say that again. Children 
Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, as this passage begins, it is real easy to see the connection that it has with chapter 5. Not only do we see that the admonition continues on to the family, but notice in verse 22, wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. And here in chapter 6, verse 1, children are to obey their parents in the Lord. And what becomes crystal clear is that family relationships ultimately boil down to our relationship and submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we will not be the husbands or the wives, the parents or the children that God wants us to be unless we are first and foremost submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Children, you cannot obey your parents well unless you are first and foremost walking with Jesus. And that's exactly what Paul points out. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. What we find here is that a child cannot be obeying their parents if they are not submitted to the Lord. If you flip that coin over, it also means that children are not submitted to the Lord if they are not obeying their parents. Does that make sense? Just like a wife is not submitted to her, the Lord if she's not submitted to her husband, just like a husband is not really loving Jesus if he's not also loving his wife, children are not following Jesus if they are not obeying their parents. Notice Paul says that this is right. Now I want you to focus in on what Paul says at the end of verse 1. For this is right. I love that word right. Because so oftentimes as children grow up and gain knowledge on their own, they get to a point, and I've discovered that every child is different as far as age. I think Haley got to this point when she was about four years old. But all children get to a point where they think they know as much, if not more, than their parents. Amen? You, 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 you remember when your children got there or you maybe remember when you got there or you might be a child and you are there and you're like, yeah, I got things figured out and they don't quite. And when we get to that age, for some reason, we begin to think that obedience is an option instead of a command. Well, all of us that are on the other side of that can testify to the fact that that's foolish thinking. We only thought we knew as much as our parents back then. We've come to figure out now we still don't know as much as they know. Right? Life experience is worth a whole lot. And what Paul is telling us is that obeying our parents is right, whether we think it's right or not, whether it feels right or not, whether we agree with it or not, this is the command of God. And so, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, notice Paul doesn't ground this teaching in social norms. He grounds it in the Word of God. Notice what he says in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. Quoting here from Exodus 20, verse 12, the fifth of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. The command is simple, and thankfully, it carries us from not only childhood, but it carries us all the way into adulthood. So how can a child honor their mother, and fa- their mother and father throughout their entire life? Well, one, when you're a young child and you're living at home under the roof or the authority of your parents, then you honor your mother and father by obeying them. 
when you've gotten to the stage of life where I'm at, where you've moved out, you're no longer under their roof or their authority. You honor your parents by respecting their relationship, respecting their counsel, and treating them in a way that honors them and honors the Lord. As my parents get older, I will find myself at a point in life where they will need me to honor them by helping provide for them and take care of them, right? Many of you have gone through that with your own parents. And so all throughout life, we are to honor our parents. We're to take care of them in old age. We're to respect them when we are sort of in this age that I'm in in my life. And we're to obey them when we are living under their roof and under their authority. And so Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. He reminds us of what it says in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. But then he tells us something interesting. This is the first commandment with a promise. And so in verse 3, he gives us two other reasons as to why we would want to honor our father and mother. He says, first of all, that it may go well with you. And secondly, that you may live long in the land. Well, first of all, children are to obey their parents so that it may go well with them. Now, there's some logic here. If children obey their parents, normally a parent's commands or rules are there to protect the child. So, for instance... Don't touch that. It's hot. Well, it will go well with you if you don't touch it in that moment. Amen? And all throughout life, parents give their children instructions that are there for their children's benefit. But this is more than logical. What Paul is saying, what God is saying here, is that if you will obey your parents, therefore obey the Lord, God will bless your obedience. It will go well with you. But he also says that you will live long in the land. Again, there's some logic here. If you are with your children and you are hiking in the mountains and you tell them, don't get too close to the edge, they will likely live longer, right? They will will live longer. But notice it says that you may live long in the land. The land here is the promised land. The promised land represents a relationship with God. So what we have is Paul saying, if you obey your parents, therefore obey the Lord, then that signifies that you are living in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Paul says is, as you walk in obedience to the Lord and obey your parents, then you will live long in the land. You will have a long relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the good thing is that doesn't matter how long life is on this earth. If you know Jesus Christ, you're going to have an eternally long relationship with God. Amen? And so Paul says this this command, it comes with a promise. Those that honor their parents are obeying the Lord and therefore they are in fellowship with Him. God rewards that. Therefore, children, obey your parents in the Lord so that it may go well with you and that you might live long in the land. So we see children fulfill the plan of God for the family by obeying their parents in the Lord. But then secondly, we see that parents can raise your children in the Lord in order to fulfill God's command as well. Notice what it says in verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now just like in verse 25, we see that although children are to submit or obey their parents, it doesn't mean that parents get to rule however they want. Paul here gives some instructions for parents. But notice, 
He doesn't say parents. Instead, he says what in verse 4? Fathers. He addresses the fathers. Now, in addressing the fathers, he is also addressing the mother. He's addressing parents in general. But I want you to notice this helps us to see clearly that the responsibility of raising children ultimately rests upon the shoulders of dad. Now, this flies in the face of our society. This goes sharply against what we think of in society, which is where this responsibility normally rests upon the shoulders of mom. Right? It's up to mom to teach the children, up to mom to bathe, to clothe, to feed, to take care of. It's up to mom to do all of these things. And in making mom do all of these things, somewhere along the way, mom got placed with the burden of raising their children well in such a way that God would be glorified and honored. And somewhere along the way, us dads got fooled into thinking that our participation was in providing income for the family so that we could have the financial means that were needed. So all of a sudden what happened is dad leaves the home so that he can work to provide and provide well But then he became an absentee dad, placing all of the responsibility upon mom. And normally mom and dad would become passing ships in the night. And dad was just this figure that showed up late in the night, left early in the morning. And the children didn't have the greatest relationship with their father. Now, I'm here to tell you that's not God's desire for the family. God wants dad to be an at-home dad. I don't mean stay at home and not work. That's not what I mean. But dad, God wants you to have an intimate and close relationship with your children. He wants you to bear the responsibility of raising your children up to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Mom, you play an integral part in that as well. Amen? But it doesn't mean that it's mom's responsibility. Paul clearly places the responsibility upon fathers. So let's look at what Paul tells us dads and us parents to do in raising our children. Notice first the command is a negative command. He says, fathers, parents, do not provoke your children to anger. Or make them angry for no reason is a good way to think about this. A commentator put together a a list of things that parents sometimes do that can provoke their children to anger. Listen to the list. First of all, he has excessively severe discipline. That, That is disciplining your children far beyond whatever they did called for. Right? That's going to provoke them to anger, unreasonable demands, abuse of authority, inconsistency. In other words, randomly exercising authority based upon your whim, unfairness, constant nagging and condemnation, humiliation, insensitivity. All of these and more can provoke a child to wrath. In other words, cause a child to unnecessarily become angry because you as a parent have placed a burden on them that they are not ready for. And I want you to remember what Paul says about anger in chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. It gives way to the devil if it's not dealt with properly. And so I fear that as parents, sometimes we unintentionally Open the door to the devil, or open the door for the devil in our children's lives because we've pushed them beyond what they're capable of. We've provoked them to anger, and they're not able to handle it well. 
And so parents, I want you to listen carefully. This is an important command to understand. Do not provoke your child to anger. And I'm just going to get personal here. What, what I have found in my own life, and it may be true of, you, true of you as well, is that when I fall into sin in this area, it's always based upon my selfishness, not my child's benefit and well-being. Here's what I mean by that. Oftentimes when my children are being disruptive, just really loud or what have you, I, I, I discipline them not because I'm trying to help them learn how to do better. It's because I'm tired of hearing the noise and I'm bothered by it. That's, that's me. That's focused on me. That has nothing to do with their well-being. That has nothing to do with them. That has everything to do with me and my own selfishness. Amen? And if we're all honest as parents, as grandparents looking back on how we parented, we all fall to that type of sin often. Amen? And so we want to make sure that our aim is our child's benefit and well-being, not our selfish desires. So what then is our child's greatest need that we can help them meet? This is where the Sunday school answer is appropriate. That's it, amen? Our children need Christ. And so what we want to do in raising our children, in disciplining them and instructing them, is we want to make sure that we are constantly pointing our children to Jesus constantly pointing our children to a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, listen to what the author of, uh, listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12. He says, My son, do not despise the discipline or the, the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof, for the Lord reproves him who He loves as a father the son in whom He delights. Now, this verse is huge. Listen to it again. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Now, don't forget where we started was all the way back in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, where we were able to establish that God had created us in his image to live and dwell within families so that we could bring him glory and so that we could better understand our relationship with God the Father and Jesus the Son. In other words, God gave us children so that we would be their fathers. We would know the love of a father. God gave us fathers so that we would know the love of a father. Right? And what Proverbs says here, what Solomon says is, listen, God loves his children. And as a part of that love, he disciplines his children to demonstrate his love for them. In the very same way that we as fathers are to lovingly discipline our children in order to demonstrate our love for them. What does this mean? It means that the aim of discipline as a father should not be that I get what I want. It shouldn't even be that my children do better. I'm supposed to discipline my children in such a way that they will learn how to obey their heavenly father because they've learned how to obey their earthly father. And what a concept that is, amen? Think about it for a minute. If, if my children don't know how to obey me who they can see, how are they ever going to obey the heavenly father who they can't see? But if I'm able to demonstrate as a dad what it means to lovingly discipline my children for their benefit, 
in demonstration of my love for them, and they learn how to obey that even when they don't want to, even when they don't like it. Well, they got a whole lot better chance of obeying their heavenly father and knowing his love for them when he disciplines them in their life. Amen? So notice what it says in verse 4. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in discipline. Bring them up in the discipline. Just like we saw back with, uh, back all the way back in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, and again in Ephesians chapter 5. God gives us authority so that we will exercise the authority. Not abuse it, amen? But that we will exercise the authority. And so Paul says to fathers, to parents, he says, don't provoke your children to wrath, but do discipline them in the Lord. But he doesn't just tell us to discipline them in the Lord. Notice, secondly, he tells us to teach them. Notice what he says in verse 4. He says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what we see that we are to do is we are to teach them about the Lord. Now listen, as a dad, I do want to teach my children all that I can teach them about life and about how to just survive and do well in life. I want to educate them. I want to teach them. I want to do all those things. Amen? Like, like, like yesterday, I changed the oil in my truck and I, I mowed the grass. When Noah gets old, I want Noah to know how to mow grass and change the oil in his truck. So I teach him how to do those things. I want him to be able to function in life, right? Same thing with Haley. We want our children to be able to function. We want them to be successful. We would love for them to be able to, to be educated enough that they can do whatever it is that God wants them to do. But I promise you, the first priority in our family and ought to be in every family is not that we teach them those things, but it's that we teach them about Jesus. Because that's ultimately all that really matters is that they know the Lord Jesus Christ and they know what God has done for them. So we want to teach our children the gospel. We want to make sure that we are teaching them that they are sinners who have been separated from God, but that God loved them so much that God sent his very own son Jesus to die on a cross in order to pay for their sins. That if they would submit their lives to Jesus and trust him, that God would forgive them of their sins, he would save them from their sins, and he would cleanse them from all the unrighteousness that is in them so that they could have eternal life with him forever and ever in heaven. We want to teach them that although we love them as parents, that no one loves them more than God loves them. And he demonstrated it through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? We want to teach them that what matters. Notice what Paul says. Bring them up in the discipline and the instruction in the Lord. Paul says, teach them who Jesus is. I've had this sort of pet peeve since the time I was involved in children's ministry, which actually I started when I was probably 15 years old. I was doing children's church. So I've, I've been in ministry a long time when it comes to children and then youth. And now as a senior pastor for the last 19 years or so. And here, here's one of my pet peeves. I, I, so often parents have this feeling and this thought that it is up to the church to teach their children about God. That is not the truth. It is the father's responsibility to teach their children about God and about Jesus Christ. Amen? Listen, the church wants to come alongside you. And the church wants to help you in that. 
And the church helps you in that in a couple of ways. Yes, the church does teach your children about God and about Jesus. That's happening upstairs right now. That's happening here in this room right now. But ultimately, we want to help you know Jesus better so that you can teach your children about Christ better. Amen? Listen, I I watched it. I I watched the parents that just sent their children to church so the church could teach them about Jesus. And I look back some, ooh, that's scary, 27, 28 years later. And I, I see the ones whose parents thought the church ought to do it versus those whose parents did it. And it's crystal clear the difference. Those whose parents were involved and who were taking the responsibility, most of those kids are still walking with Christ. Those who let the church do it, most of those kids are not. And I just want you to understand, as parents, even as grandparents, you can have a part in this. It is your responsibility to bring your children up in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church will come alongside you, amen? But it's your responsibility. So how do you do that? Well, well, one, you teach your children the Bible. You teach your children the Bible. Listen, I, I know how difficult that is. I know how hard it is to find time. As someone who, who has knowledge of the Bible, who literally teaches the Bible weekly, it's, it, it's not about do I know how, it's trying to find the time in our family, right? And we have it easier than most. We homeschool, right? We set our own agenda. We set our own schedule. But yet it's still difficult to find time sometimes. So therefore, we got to make time. To be in the word of God as a family so that as a dad, I can teach my children God's word. Amen? I know we don't get a lot of amens unless I ask for them because this is not easy to do. But it requires us teaching our children God's word. So one way we teach them the Bible is we literally teach them the Bible. We talk about the Bible. We bring up scripture. We bring up God's word when we're doing other things in life. Right? We're watching a movie. And, and something happens on the movie that is completely contradictory to Scripture. We pause it. We ask our kids, what's wrong with that? Oh, well, that goes against this. Yeah, it does. What else is wrong with that? Oh, well, that, that means that's not what God... No, it's not at all. Right? We're, we're teaching them. We want to walk with them through Scripture. We want to talk about it often. We don't want it to be something that only happens on Sunday and Wednesdays. We want Scripture to always be present in our lives. Amen? So we teach it, and then secondly, we model it. I I want to show my children as a father what it means to walk with Christ. I I don't want them to wonder. I want them to know because I want them to have seen dad do it. Amen? He's all right. He didn't blow up. He's good. All right? I I, want to model it for them. I want to model for them what it means to walk with Jesus. I want my wife to model for them what it means to walk with Jesus. So as parents, we not only teach them God's word by teaching it to them, but we model it for them. Amen? And I just want you to know this has always been God's plan. Listen to what God said to the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Lord, or excuse me, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What does God say? God says you ought to be consumed with my word. And your family ought to revolve around my word. And listen, if your family revolves around the word, your children will notice it. They will grow up knowing that that is the norm, that that is what God's want, and you will have done well to teach them and instruct them in the Lord. Listen, we do not have to be perfect in this, by the way. As a matter of fact, I have found that I can teach my children sometimes much better in my weaknesses than I can in my strengths. Amen? So we don't have to be perfect. We have to be willing to teach them when we're doing well and when we've fallen flat on our face. Because as a parent, our number one goal for us, our children is that we would bring them to Jesus Christ. That we would not be so consumed with making disciples of the nations and making disciples of the community and the neighborhoods that we forget that our primary responsibility is to make disciples of our children at home. Amen? So children, obey your parents in the Lord. And parents, see that you are raising your children as a part of God's plan. Let's pray. Parents, it all starts with us. So what is the priority of your home? Is it fulfilling the plan of God for your family or is it so much other stuff that we get involved with? Parents, let's recommit our families to Christ and let's make sure that we are fulfilling the plan of God in our families. Children, This means obeying your parents in the Lord as a part of God's plan. Parents, this means raising your children in the Lord with your number one goal being making them disciples of Christ. These are the types of families that represent God well, that bear his image, and that bring him glory. So here's what I want us to do this morning for the invitation. As I mentioned at the beginning, I, my, my children are at home sick, so, so I'm not going to get close to anybody. Therefore, we're not going to have a traditional altar call like we might normally would. Here, here's what I want us to do instead. As the worship team comes and lead us, leads us in a song of worship, here's what I want you to do. If you're a dad here today and your children and your wife and your family is present, then I want you to just gather them together right where you're at and I want you to pray over them. You don't have to pray out loud, but I want you to just grab a hold of them and pray over them. If your children are not here, but they're somewhere else, then right where you're at in just a few moments as we sing, I want you to just pray for your family. If you're a grandparent here, If you have another family that God has laid upon your heart, then I want you to just join us as we all pray and lift our families up that we as families might bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. This altar is open. However God moves, I want you to have the freedom to respond. So here's what's going to happen. Our worship team is making their way up as I speak. They're going to come up. They're going to sing. 
we are all going to join together, lifting up our families, families that God has laid upon our heart. We're going to be praying together. After you're done, join the worship team in singing. And let's just let this moment be a moment where we recommit ourselves and our families to walking worthy of the salvation that God has given to us. So if you will, let's all worship the Lord through prayer and through song.